Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livius Nedden. And I'm Rob Olson. The book we are reviewing this week is The Bible. Uh, Wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> what did you just say? My I bad. Think, <laughs> I think I read the wrong book. Uh, <laughs> it's, maybe it just kind of feels that way. But um, the book we're reviewing this week is The Prince. Not The Prince. It's just pr- pr- Prince Lestat, right? I believe it is Prince Lestat. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I can't even be bothered to. Oh wait, I have Amazon open. Yes, by Anne Rice, <laughs> which is, I think it's the eleventh installment in the Vampire Chronicles. It is. It's the eleventh Vampire Chronicles book. While you have Amazon open, uh-huh. do me a favor and just glance before I read the part of the bio I have for Anne Rice. Just read. Just have a look at how big her bio is. Right, clicking the link, that she's a, she's a lovely looking lady. Wow. That's um, it's almost as long as this book. Oh wait, it's, there's see more. Hold on, <laughs> you have to click on see more for her bio. <laughs> Note to, okay. uh, I guess Anne Rice doesn't need any of our advice because she's doing just fine on her own. But any notes, a note to any author out there who's not of the Anne Rice stature, if you need to click see more on the author bio, you're doing it wrong. I've read short stories that weren't this long. Exactly. Wow. Well, let's see. Let's see how. Maybe the bio is going to read a little nicer than. Holy crap! All right, spoiler alert. <laughs> Did you get the feeling that this was a little bit final, just towards the end? Like this might be the last Lestat book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck no. Uh, with the publication of Prince Lestat, Anne will be returning to the fabled brat prince of the Vampire Chronicles, catching up with him in the present time. This is the first of several books planned focusing on Lestat's new adventures with other members of the Vampire Tribe. Approximately 51 of them. It, that's not in the bio. That's, <laughs> But that, yes, more books coming. Can't wait. <sighs> Shit. Can't wait. Well... <laughs> My promise to myself, my promise to the podcast, my promise to you, Livius, is no matter how much Anne Rice writes, I will never quit this podcast. (laughs) It might be a long, dark road. (laughs) I I kept thinking, I know that there's never going to be an opportunity um, for, for me to say, hey, let's read another one. But if the wheel of meat continues and the wheel speaks, we read. The wheel of meat. I will... I'm gonna. From now on, I'm gonna demand to be present okay. during any wheel of like, meat decisions that involve a book that has Anne Rice involved with it. But we, I'm getting. I'm putting the cart before the horse here a little bit. We need to talk about the book before I can tell you how much I hated it. Okay. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say. I think. I think you just did your wrap up there that's for right. <laughs> Prince Lestat. Uh, I'm gonna do the uh, the bio for Anne Rice, and and mm-hmm. this is one paragraph of probably 15, and this is one of the shorter paragraphs. I just took the meat. That's what I did. Like, wheel of meat style, stick into the Mm -hmm. meat. She's the author of over 30 books, most recently the Toby O'Dare novels of Love and Evil and Angel Time, the memoir called Out of Darkness, and her two novels about Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm sorry, about Jesus. This is really confusing. Christ the Lord out of Egypt and Christ the Lord, the road to Cana. And regards Christ the Lord, the road to Cana as her best novel. Um, under the, <laughs> this is fucking insane. She's got a very convoluted bio. Under the pen name A. N. Rokalar, Anne is the author of the erotic BDSM fantasy series, The Sleeping Beauty trilogy. Under the pen name Anne Rampling, she is the author of two erotic novels, 
Exit to Eden, and Belinda. I'm drinking heavily this episode. I don't know what part you clipped of this, but I thought it was really kind of odd because they mentioned her most recent novels, which makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And then those other ones, the the A.N. Raculaire and the, <laughs> the Anne Rampling stuff, that's all 20 plus years old. Right, yeah. Oh, um, I just saw a concentration of book titles and I was like, this is what they get. <laughs> this is... <laughs> she also wrote <laughs> The Wolf Gift Which episode was that? That was like episode 60 That was like one of the early ones Like 66 or something like yes, that Yes, I was very excited to read New Anne Rice back then <sighs> She really beat that excitement right out of you, didn't she? Yeah, yeah That's, yeah, yeah. I don't know Was there Wolf Gift 2? Did that actually yes. happen? See, it's part of the Wolf Gift Chronicles, of course that, that would have been interesting because remember, like, we really liked the other wolves that she introduced. <gasps> you know, that crossover is coming, right? Fucking, I was waiting for it in this book. There was enough pages, but I was right. It was episode 66 was when we reviewed The Wolf Gift with guest host Sean Ferguson. Oh, Sean, how we miss you here on this podcast. We miss you, buddy. Pouring out, pouring out part of my 40. You are pouring it directly into your fucking belly. And yes, you're wasting your. What, what are you drinking? Explain, explain to the listeners what you're drinking. All right, so I would never really do this typically, but um, I'm very excited about the the name of this beer, uh, the Three Floyds Brewery. It's a double IPA called War Mullet. War Mullet. Rob had to explain to me what an IPA was, and then tell me that it was like twice as much. Double IPA. Yep. It's twice the IPA. It's all the math involved it's, in drinking beer. For you, like, stock people out there, it's not an IPO. That's an entirely different thing. That's correct. Do you know what that actually stands for? It stands for Initial Public Offering, right? All right. Very nice. Yes. Fuck yeah. I figured that out on my own. I didn't even have to, like, look it up. Should we, um, should mm-hmm. we review this? <laughs> no? Okay. All right. Let's just keep talking about, I think that about my Diet Coke. Much like in, in the legislative branch of the government, I am entitled to a filibuster. <laughs> And as long as I hold the floor and I keep talking, you can't make me stand down. Very well. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. There we go. (laughs) So here's, (laughs) um, is this the entire, the entire synopsis or did you? (laughs) If you look at much like, much like Anne Rice's bio on Amazon, the, um, the synopsis on Amazon is like probably a thousand words. So I abandoned that synopsis and went to, um, Wikipedia, the Wikipedia entry for the book, which has like a plot summary, and that's what this is. Over a decade after the events of Blood Canticle, the remaining vampires of the world are in chaos. The most famous of them all, Lestat de Lioncourt, finds himself called upon to come out of his self-imposed exile to reassert order, and is reunited with fellow vampires ancient and new, Louis and Armand, Pandora and Marius, Maharet and Makare, the former Tal- Talamasca leader David Talbot, and even Lestat's distant mother Gabriel. That's. I mean, I understand that was part of you know the synopsis, but we should probably tell folks what the book's about, huh? Well, before you get to that, I'm going to count really quick. There's let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine characters mentioned in that plot summary. And that would seem like a, a pretty hefty amount for most books, like nine main characters, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's a good cast of characters for a book. It's probably average, I would say. Right, right. Not in this book. 
<laughs> no, no, no. Not that in this is book. Merely, merely what eighteen percent of. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I just wanted to point that out before you got too far into uh, jumping into what this book is about. So we join Lestat of um, Interview with a Vampire and um, the Vampire Lestat and Queen of the Damned fame um, as he is uh, kind of roaming the earth, just kind of putzing around, doing his own thing. <laughs> um, and this voice is talking to him in his head and he doesn't know where it's coming from. It's very clearly not a, a delusion um, as vampires can communicate telepathically for those of you who are not familiar with the world of Anne Rice's vampires. Although there are some weird rules we might talk about a little later in this review regarding that. Um, there's a voice in his head, and it's talking to him and telling it how much he loves him and how much he wants to be with him. And Lestat keeps kind of brushing it off as a, as a minor annoyance. And then over the course of, I want to say, and actually, hold on one second while I actually bring up the, uh, the table of contents. Um, yeah, it starts with a voice, and then... The next probably 10 chapters are, uh, I don't want to say necessarily introductions, but they're, they're chapters focused specifically on an individual or, a, you know, a, a couple of characters. So chapter two is Benji, who's one of the characters in the book. Chapter three is Fareed and Seth. Um, chapter four has to do with the Talamaska. Um, and then there's a chapter about Rose, a chapter about Cyril. Antoine, so like a lot of these chapters coming up, um, individually kind of look at what's going on with specific characters. Um, most of them basically do a similar thing where they introduce the character, a ton of backstory uh, of that character, um, and then you know, incredible descriptions of furniture and clothing um, <laughs> in, in in incredible detail. But basically tie in the voice to all these different characters. It also lays the background for some of the bad stuff that's going on in the book, which is like, um, all right, before we go too much further, I want to let you guys know I've never read any of the other vampire books at all. <laughs> so I'm getting all of my history of, of this, you know, chronicle, uh, the Vampire Chronicles, all the things that have happened uh, from this book and from the movies. <laughs> Um, but back which Rob the, diligently should be noted as part of the research yesterday. Watched both the Lestat movies while trying to read half of this book. I did <laughs> guilty. Um, um, back there was there was a um, when the Akasha did I get that mm -hmm. right? Yes, the Queen, the old Queen. Um, when Lestat, basically there was you know in the Queen of the Damned book. Lestat does his shit, wakes up the queen, she gets all pissed and burns a bunch of people. That's that's basically, I just saved you the, the, the trouble of having to read that book because that's what happened. Um, so there's um, there's that history and now there's like these burnings that are going on in the present um, time frame of this book. And so uh, we see the characters as they relate to this voice, um, but we also see how... Um, what's happening in the present day with these like random burnings and gang wars and stuff make people uh, remember the bad time from when the queen rose up and was burning the shit out of people. Yeah. So the younger vampires are all perishing in terrible fires and it doesn't take too long for us to figure out or, or to find out, I guess I should say not. There's a lot of figuring involved that the voice is calling on older vampires, ones with powers like the fire gift 
um, for non again non and rice fans. That's the ability <laughs> some vampires have to set other vampires and things, I guess, on on fire. Um, basically, going to vampire clubs and vampire I don't know hovels, whatever places where vampires <laughs> gather, and just Covens. burn them all up. What's that? Covens, yeah, Covens. I guess. Yeah, all kinds of different places. Vampire resorts, you know, where they all lay out in the moonlight. <laughs> vampire country clubs. Exactly, where they played things like vampire golf. Those are not in the book. But vampire they should have been. Ball or yeah, vampire exactly. shuffleboard. So, <laughs> so while this is happening, now Benji, who I wasn't familiar with because I believe he came later, it's a, Rob hasn't read any of the books. I read the first five, so I think I read up through Memnock the Devil, and I think I may have tried Pandora's Memoir and just couldn't didn't care anymore at that point. Um, Benji is the one that we're getting a lot of this communication through in the book because he has a vampire podcast. Dude has a vampire podcast. Yeah. He has a live radio internet show live that goes on every night for like hours and hours, right? <laughs> like there's just yeah. like, <laughs> Can I call bullshit on that though? Because like if this were real, there would be and th- I'm 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 calling bullshit from experience. There wouldn't be like this one vampire podcast that everybody listens to. There would be like a few good ones and then a ton of just bullshit crappy vampire podcasts that like some people would like and you get pissed off because like they don't think they're stupid like they really are. That's how it would happen. Yeah. Um <clears throat> what I found um what I found interesting about the vampire podcast is I was kind of <laughs> thinking about um Oh, what's that really weird one uh, that that it, it's done like a like a news show about this oh. small town in New Mexico or whatever? You know what I'm talking about, right? Something Vale. Something? Yeah, something Vale. Vicky Vale. <laughs> um, um, that one. I'm gonna try it while you're talking. I'm gonna try and find it. I, I kept Night Vale. Night Vale. Welcome to Night Vale. Is that yeah. what it's called? Welcome Night vale. Yeah. I kind of kept wondering when she was going to touch on that there were non-vampires that listen to this kind of like that, where they think it's just this made-up story podcast where, do you follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they never really address that. They're like, oh, you know, humans don't believe in vampires. You know, even scientists who have caught vampires, you know, they've gotten laughed out of science and, you know, whatever, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> So I thought there was kind of an interesting understory there about these, like, you know, maybe groupies who found out where Benji is and they think he's just like a guy putting on this show. It, like, there could have been, I mean, hell, you could have stretched it out another 20 or 30 pages with that, right? And that would have been an interesting story, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Yeah. But let's not, let's not encourage her. <laughs> well, to she add says pages she's got several more books planned. So. Um, so, Dude. yeah, we get a lot of this. He's the unifying factor in in the information we get from around the world and, and kind of the soul of the ideas of what vampires want. They want Lestat to come forward and lead them and kind of be a savior to them. And there are all these pleas. And Lestat, being Lestat, just doesn't give a shit. He's kind of going off doing his own thing and not really interested so much in, in helping everybody else. So, the conflict of the story essentially is that as as the as the book goes on, there's some sort of secret unknown force that's causing the death of all these vampires. Um, and based on 
kind of just how vampires act, I'm guessing, or gathering from the what I read. Um, the older ones didn't really, you know, get together and plan shit, you know, very much together. And so there, there's not like a unified force to fight this unseen uh, person who, or person or whatever entity that's um, causing all this havoc. And, um, it, you know, eventually they just have to get together and figure the shit out together. It's like, it's basically like the forming of the Scooby gang um, against this unknown foe. Kind of, right? The vampire Scooby gang? <laughs> I don't know that I would have gone quite that far, but yeah, a little bit like that. Only with a lot more, because the Scooby gang only had, what, it was like three, four humans and a dog? Yeah, Anne Rice didn't write the fucking Scooby-Doo cartoon. No, no, no. I will say, and this is going to mean zero to you, but if there are any Anne Rice fans listening, I was totally sure that the voice was Lasher, but it's not Lasher. This is one of the uh, Re- Santa's reindeer, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Very nice, Rob. <laughs> Dancer and Dasher and Lasher and Prancer. Oh, and Rob is very clearly drunk off his double IPA at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're introduced to some other new characters. Um, and, and again, some of these may have popped up in the in the interim books. But um, of note is um, Rose, who is a human that Lestat rescued as a small child from a was it like an island blew up or something? I didn't even quite understand what happened there. Yeah, it was like an island was un, in like there was a natural disaster on an island, and he's like he was there to save her. Yeah, so we get to see um, the her entire life through, through a series <laughs> of chapters. Well, till she's like eighteen, right? Like, yeah, he's like she's like five. I'm guessing when he saves yeah. her, and then yeah. she's like eighteen and in like jail for borrowing or parents lesbian the people's moms i don't i don't even i'm not even sure what happened in half this book there was definitely lesbian um caretakers there were lesbian caretakers yeah so we get to see her who uh, uncle lestan <laughs> he was disguising his name apparently <laughs> one of the most fucking i'm calling bullshit on that too because like naive as you may be if he was a huge rock star wouldn't she fucking like put two and put put two and two together? Yeah, yeah, she would. There was the books. There was like, I mean, wasn't I mean? And I didn't read the book, Queen of the Damned or whatever. But wasn't there like some that had to make the news that there was a concert for this like vampire? Oh yeah, yes. Who yes. fucking like a bunch of people burned and died at or something? Right. Yes. Yes. She should have figured it out. But she, I, I just thought it was funny that he decides change his name, disguise it to Lestan. Yeah, like like he's uh, like he's a French South Park character, right? <laughs> yeah, so she's as much as he's putting on like the fake mustache, she's never going to qualify to be a private investigator. <laughs> so there's that. Um, and then <laughs> Rob mentioned yes, fifty one characters of note. And and when I say it, that's, that's not all the characters in the book. That's just the ones she felt you should know about. And a lot of it was chapters of just, like, their entire history in, in, in some cases. So if you had Armand or Marius or Pandora, there was very little in their backstory. But then there were other ones. And, and once she introduced, and I mentioned this to Rob because I thought this was really interesting, there are at least two um, new characters. I say new in quotes because they're not new. They both make sure to mention that they were mentioned in passing in like interview with the vampire they'll be like oh i can't believe 
that you know he he only included me in in one in one you know sentence yep. and that was there was a tall vampire there i'm the tall vampire right <laughs> so she wanted to make sure she wasn't dropping anything new on anybody these people all appeared in previous books just not by name or with any storyline or anything <sighs> that shit happened yeah so we go on and yeah like rob said it, it's a a gathering of all of the um you know, elder vampires to put together a plan to fight the voice as it's referred through to referred to through the vast majority of the book, 70% of it, at least. There's so many things I want to call bullshit on. Yeah. I'm going to call some bullshit for actual Anne Rice fans. (laughs) It is probably 70% of the book, maybe even more before we actually ever see Louis or hear him speak. So there's plenty of mentions of him throughout the book, but I have to imagine that if she's doing this return and this ode to every vampire she's ever fucking written about, that the very first one we ever heard from would be would play a more central role, right? One would think. One I'm going to call I'm going to yeah. call additional bullshit on the fact that we're reading a book called The Prince or Prince Lestat and that he is clearly missing in half the book because she's doing backstory on 50 other supernatural beings. 50. Yep. Yeah. And, and speaking of 50 being the magic number in this book, 50% of the way in, she drops ghosts on us. <laughs> oh, she did. Like, she did. That's why, that's why I was really ready for the werewolves. I get it that there are ghosts, and I'd explain to Rob that it, it isn't a big shock to, to someone who's familiar with her world because the Talamasca dealt with ghosts. Um, and obviously, if the Talamasca is a thing, then ghosts are a thing. So it wasn't shocking to see him. It's just shocking that literally went through 260-something pages. And then there was like this, and then there's ghosts. Yeah. Hello, ghosts. Hi, ghosts. And there are quite a few of them, too. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about this uh, this book? So I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, probably... Ooh, I want to say 60% into the book, I just decided that if a cha- if a paragraph started with a description of an inanimate object, I skipped the paragraph entirely. Because essentially what happens is, like, you know, there's some stuff going on and there's a ton of characters and you're learning a lot of stuff. And, like, those paragraphs and stuff move on with some, like, fluidity and things like that. But, like, there are really long, almost, like, page-long chapters of just descriptions of shit. And it's like, we get it. We fucking know that you know a lot about furniture and clothing and, and, um things like that I, I don't need all that like there is more time invested in explaining like the settings I think than a lot of the characters or like actually action that happens in the books or in the in the in the chapters what do you think I uh, I'm going to agree and and from what I remember um, that's kind of always been the case oh it's just mind-numbing Hey, when you were counting the number of characters, did you notice that one line had three characters mentioned in it? Oh yeah, yeah. I okay, made sure to count. Talk. Yeah, I okay. made sure to count like one, two, three for that one. Yeah. 
Gotcha. Okay. Cause I was going to say, we're going to take this over and talk about the 54 characters. That yeah, there was like three lines that had at least, there was like, yeah, mm-hmm. a couple that had multiples. So I, I, I was diligent. I was thorough. Um, while we're on the standpoint of the actual writing, I'm I'm really angry because I, I always talk about how great my Kindle is and how many cool things my Kindle can do. Kindle cannot search for an exclamation point. Yeah. You would think that's important. not a function you would need, right? Most people wouldn't <laughs> ever think to search for an exclamation point. But there were so many that I wanted to count, and there were at least as many exclamation points in this book as there were characters. <laughs> Dude, uh, and the word preternatural. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do a search right now to see how mm-hmm. many times. <laughs> and then I was watching an um, uh, interview with the vampire, and he, fucking Tom Cruise, says it in the in the. It must just be her fucking like favorite word or something. Twenty nine times it shows up. <sighs> um. There are so many questionable things. There's a chapter. Um, I'm kind of looking through some of the highlighted things that I wrote in here. And there's a chapter where we're following Lestat and, and we're mid chapter and there's no page for, you know, section break or anything. And the next paragraph says a year later. <laughs> um, this one made me think of you. I'm sure. Do you have quotes? I do. I, I, I do actually. I'm going to throw this one out there because this one made me think of you. It says uh, on and on he went with her moving beneath her into the deepest and darkest notes he could make on the G string. And I'm thinking if anyone's made some deep and dark notes on a G string, it's you. Damn it. You stole one of my quotes. (laughs) (laughs) The word blood appears 865 times in this book. All right. Well, listen, it's about vampires. That's a short story right there. Yeah. I can't fault her for that. They talk about the blood gift and the blood and the blood brood versus the blood guards from the blood queen. I'll bet you there's sentences where blood <laughs> appears four times. <laughs> Darkest notes on the G string. Yeah. <laughs> well, quote was. I was really excited to read that one too. Oh, fuck this quote. All right. I got one. I sent this one to Livia as I was so angry at it. You know, it's what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> I do. And this is, all right, this is me. <laughs> this is me having not read Anne Rice before, not knowing... I mean, not reading, not read Anne Rice uh, vampire books before. I read that one fucking stupid werewolf book, um, so I didn't know if this was just like par for the course with her in vampire books. But like, talk about like, I mean, she must have fucking sprained something, patting herself on the back. Um, in one part, I mean, there's several parts in this book where the vampires or other characters read some of the vampire chronicle books. Which, you know, fourth wall, whatever, that's fine. Because I understand it's part of the the, um, the history, the chronology of, of what happens. is like these books actually take place, you know, in the in the storyline. I understand that. But, like, fucking this line, this uh, Rose is reading, um, I think it's Rose is reading uh, these books. Or it might have been one of the other, I can't remember. But um, this is the fucking line. And the stories, in truth, amazed her. Not only by their complexity and depth, but by the peculiar dark turns they took and the chronology they laid out for the main character's moral development. Fuck you, Anne Rice. I think we have ourselves a hater. Dude, how can you write that about your own books? I mean, I understand that, like, I don't even want to think about it. 
I will say, and, and I came across this, I think I actually may have highlighted this before you sent me that quote. So here's the counterpoint. Um, I don't even know who this is. It's somebody. Talks about the Vampire Chronicles, blah, blah, blah. Page is interested in Deep Current. Never in all these centuries had he encountered poetic souls among the undead, such as Louis de Pointe-du-Lac and Lestat de Lioncourt, or even Marius, whose own memoir reeked of the same profound romanticism and melancholy as their works. Yeah. Sad vampires. So see, this guy's kind of saying that, you know, he, he wasn't a big fan either. <laughs> This fucking Uh, quote. I'm just going to... I think I angrily quoted this book. Ready for this? Yes, yes, I'm ready. This is from a Lestat chapter. The Jungles of the Amazon is the chapter. I passed slowly, unnoticed through the sidewalk spectators. Just a flashy young man in in violet sunglasses and a worn leather coat with unruly long blonde hair, secretly carrying a deadly axe with him. What the fuck is that? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Oh, what did I? Uh... Oh, so okay. So here's one that I I really just thought was uh Rose is is dating this professor who who is really not part of the story except to be a a, a catalyst or something that happens to Rose. So he's not a vampire and he's not. You know, he's just a guy. He's a little bit date rapey kind of guy. And there's this this um, this scene where he throws her in the car, like he drags her in the car, and, and like locks the door with his remote so she can't get out. Like that doesn't happen unless you have like a rape van. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure that every car has a manual way to unlock the doors. Yeah, there's like a safety feature, right? Yeah. Unless so you're in the she, back seat, but then just get in the front seat. Yeah, but yeah, but that's the whole thing. She's like threw her in the passenger side, slamming the door and locking it with his remote. When he went to open the driver's side, he unlocked only that door. So like she was trapped because he locked the doors. And, and it says threw her in the passenger side. So it's not even like threw her in the trunk or threw her in the back seat and her child locks or. So I, I had a little bit of an issue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about some of the technology descriptions that she... I only highlighted a couple. Hold on. I have to rage against another quote really quick. Mm-hmm. This is a quick one. And what a dashing and beautiful figure Lestat was. The James Bond of vampires, indeed. <laughs> I had that one, too. <laughs> I am fucking stuff. furious. <laughs> Are you furious because you love James Bond? No, just because it's so fucking dumb. <laughs> Oh, I, uh, so if I remember correctly, we called her out for having like terrible uses of, of oh, product technology. Placement? Yeah. yeah in, in, um, <laughs> in, uh, the wolf gift. And it definitely continued on into this book. I only highlighted two because fuck, I mean, how many times do you have to talk about this? But, um, Lestat is, uh, at one point says, yes, I will use the iPhone magic to communicate. And then he talks about how he keeps forgetting how to use email. Oh, God. That's every customer that I work with on a daily basis. <laughs> it's okay. So that was fairly realistic, I guess. <laughs> I forget. And then again, I forget. Like, that's how it was. Like, he's forgotten like eight times how to use email. So he, he sticks with it for like a week and then he forgets how to use it. <laughs> Fucking. That's, I, yeah, that I, I was okay with because it makes sense. 
Um, there are 22 instances of the word iPhone in the book. Nice. Um, yeah, the one time, it's like, oh, he showed it to us on his shiny iPhone. <laughs> that, that like, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> and then, of course, because she's a, she's an Apple person, uh, at one point says something about going online with his big, dazzling Mac computer. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's awful. It's just awful. I think I think that covers everything I had highlighted. Oh, I've got more. I have more. Oh, go ahead. I have one more, but go ahead. Oh, this one I actually this is the actually this is probably the the part of the book that I I most strongly identified with. Uh, Livius, I texted you this quote. His hat was clearly integral to his costume, and no one need bother to tell him that a gentleman takes off his hat indoors. Because his hat was not coming off, it was part of him. Yeah, that was Benji and his fedora. Benji. Because all 12-year-old vampires want to wear a fedora. Of course they do. I know this. I babysit for 12-year-old vampires sometimes. Oh, that's one. Family. (laughs) Extended family. Um, Here's a quick one. Yeah. Yes, I will feel what you feel, but once you have the sacred core in you, you will feel what I feel. Which made me think of that fucking Peter Frampton song where he's making the guitar talk or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? No. You don't? No. He's making the guitar talk. Yeah, it's the do you feel like I feel or whatever. Oh, is that about his guitar? I don't know, but the guitar, it's like he's playing the guitar, but like words are, you know, like he's making it, it sounds Mm -hmm. like he's talking through it or whatever. Hmm. You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? No, I know what song is, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe you're just hearing voices in the music. Maybe the voice is telling you to burn young vampires. <laughs> Fucking, I wish it was. I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> dashing, va- uh, 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 dashing Vampire, James Bond, I did that one. Oh. In a book that was pretty bereft of actual violence or sex or action in general, this is a... This is a pretty nasty one toward the end. Um, and it's probably going to spoil something. I just can't care. Took her head in my hands and closed my lips on the bleeding eye socket. I felt her powerful hands caressing my head. I sucked with all my strength, drawing as strongly as I'd ever drawn blood in my life. And I felt the brain coming into my mouth, flowing viscous and sweet as the blood flowing out of her and coming into me. I felt it fill my mouth, a great gusher of tissue against all the tender flesh inside my mouth, and then filling my throat as it passed down into me. Yeah. He had that highlighted, too, because, holy crap, that was pretty serious, man. He sucked somebody's brain through their eye socket. That happened. That did happen. That also reminds me, a thing that we didn't mention about the structure of this book was that any time it was Lestat, it was first person. Yep. Anytime third it was anybody else, it was person. third person, yeah. Yeah, and she did that in another one, and it might have been Queen of the Damned. I don't know. Something that stuck with me from a long time ago. <laughs> I have the one quote I actually liked from the book. <laughs> I save, save the best for last, right? Um, and, and this is because it's the only part. I, I actually chuckled, cause, and I think it caught me off guard, because it's 61% in, and there was no humor in this book whatsoever. <laughs> Zero humor in this book. Um, Lestat is preparing for a journey and, and he's with Gabrielle, his mom. And, and he says, all right, listen, I, let me go tell the architect. Uh, I'm going to be gone for a few days. 
And she says, oh, that architect, what a nuisance. And of course, there's an exclamation point after nuisance. While you're at it, drain him of every drop of blood in his system. <laughs> Which I just thought was awesome because I think <laughs> that about people so often. And it goes on to say, a madman who spends his life restoring a remote chateau simply because he's paid to do it as a dreary prospect indeed. But yeah, that just kind of just fucking kill that motherfucker. Awesome. I just used I just used the stud book. Did you? What did you use it for? Oh, it was, it's my beer coaster. Oh, I know. Yeah, we talked about that, didn't we? I yeah. think we talked about Last that. Last episode. Yeah. I just want to let you know because I know you're so enchanted by the idea. Is it a good beer coaster? Does it do its job well? Um, it is probably the best I could ever imagine that book doing. <laughs> oh, drunk Rob is fun, Rob. I'm not drunk at all. Come on. Drinking, um, Rob. It's a, there's a difference. We should uh, we should wrap this up. All right, go ahead. Uh, ooh, we usually start with the one that's going to hate it more, right? Yep. Let's see. That's me. <laughs> it's probably you. That's me. Um, I am not going to to linger. On, all right. So here's the problems I had with the book. A, it's 480 pages. If that was 480 interesting pages, cool. It's not. It's um. I if I had to do a basic calculation of of the percentage of the book that was was descriptions of inanimate objects, I'd probably say a good forty to forty five percent. That's not me exaggerating. Just for the sake of the podcast, I have faith that that is accurate. Um, on top of that, fifty one characters, and that's fifty one characters that are of enough import that um. There's there's a section at the back of the book after the story's over that that lists them and explains what their significance is. So like, these are 51 significant characters. Like, I abandoned Stephen King's The Stand probably 80 pages in because he was still introducing characters. The only reason I made it through this book all the way through is because I had to for the podcast. So it, it's too much. I mean. If she distilled all of this down into a more compact, like realistically, if this was like a 240 page book, it probably would have been really, you know, entertaining or like, you know, more compelling or had a better pace or something. But like she packed so much information into um, not like a she didn't even try to economize and like pack it into a small amount of space. She just kept like opening up drawers and, you know, like throwing windows open and adding expansions onto the house and fucking just like filling, filling, filling. And she didn't need to do that. Like she could have taken the interesting part of the story and the characters that really matter sprinkled in a little bit of the backstory and how it ties in with the other stuff and coming out with like a book that was between 250 and 300 pages. And I probably would have liked it a lot more because I had to suffer through so much crap. I hated every goddamn word that I read. And um, and it took a lot longer, and I resented it, and, and everything that took away from the very, very thin thread that is the main story was just something that made me angry. So um, I hated this book. I didn't like it at all. And as much as I tried to at least respect what she was doing, I think it was a misguided attempt to, um, from an outsider's perspective, you know, kind of tie everything together. Um to what purpose, I don't know. If Livia says there's more books coming, this is probably like the foundation of like the new, you know, collection of books that's coming out. And for newer readers, this would probably be like a like a quick guide to catch up so that you're in the know and stuff. But like 
as an individual book, it's a piece of shit. And I hate to say that, but it is. And um, because of that, I'm going to go... I'm going to do this just because no one's ever done this on the podcast before. I'm doing a half a star. That's my rating. I'm going to try to be slightly more objective. (laughs) Not much more objective. Um, I haven't picked up a Lestat book since Memnock the Devil, which I did enjoy, but then she went off to write books about all these other characters and my understanding... And, and I could be wrong. So if you're an Anne Rice fan and you think that I'm just, you know, wrong about this, there's a good chance you're right. I tried to read one or two of the other ones, couldn't get into them at all. Um, and, and I think that should have been a clue to her that what fans of this series um, liked was what they started with, which was Louis and, and Lestat. I always found it really weird that she took off and wrote a bunch of Lestat books, even though Louis is, is, is our first storyteller. And the, the one, the vampire, we probably fall in love with first that he doesn't really get more airtime, so to speak. Uh, even in this book, I was shocked at how little he appeared. And we spent a bunch of time with other characters that nobody, nobody fucking cares about. <laughs> um, Rob is exactly right at 300 pages. Um, and if you pick the best parts of this book, um, there, there's some great things we didn't talk about. There's science um, looking into vampires and, and how they tick and, and the ability to, you know, manipulate, uh, you know, them physically and stuff. And there's some good stuff, the, the voice and, and its reasons for wanting slash needing to, to do the things it does. It's not bad. And, and quite honestly, 300 pages. I don't know if I would have said this book was really good. But you know what? It would have been okay to good. But yeah, at 500 pages, it's it's uh, it, it's pretty rough. Um, nice nice to visit with some characters that I haven't spent time with in a really really long time. And fans of the series, I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like everyone thinks the new Star Wars is going to be a piece of shit. But you know, like Han Solo and Leia and Luke are going to be in it. So you know what? That's going to be something you look forward to, kind of revisiting with those characters. And that's kind of how I felt getting into this book we wander away from the main character way too much. And, and yes, it, it, I didn't know that there are more books. I, I, this had kind of a very final feel to it um, as I was finishing reading it. So God only knows uh, God and Anne Rice only know what direction she's going to take this in. But <laughs> I, I don't think I will be um, in for, for any more of the probably any more Anne Rice to be quite frank. <laughs> Rob and I were talking before the podcast and I, I read angel time. <laughs> which is about a, like an assassin who gets drafted by someone in heaven to go through time and and, and stop things from I I don't I, fuck, I don't know I don't even know what it is but um, she's wandered way too far off what I consider to be the beaten path um, I am going to go slightly higher than Rob and I am going to give this one star ooh. that's an average 0.75 star rating now Dude, that was it was pretty it was pretty bad. It's fucking, and you know what? I can't believe we didn't even get into. I'm going to read some text messages I sent Livius because it's it bears it bears saying, and I, I mean I, this is probably uh, you know informed by the fact that I knew that she kind of had a Jesus freak thing going on. Um, I figured it, this is uh, this is like a day ago when I was pretty far into the book. I figured it out. She's just turned her vampire series into the Bible. All these fucking chapters of people telling the whole seeming history of the world. So many characters. All the love and messages of nonviolence. She's taking her Jesus Freak Reborn shit and making the most boring vampire book that has ever been written. 
and the voice is Satan is the Satan of her story with all the temptation of evil and shit. God damn it. I'm not I'm not super far into the book. This is probably thirty percent in to be honest. I'm not super far into the book, but there's even an immortal that father's ooh, this is a big spoiler, that father's a mortal son. And I have to imagine with all the ghosts hanging around that they could form a holy trinity. Livia said, look at you getting all the religious stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. Oh, it was so disappointing. I mean, I don't know. There there were good things about it. They were just so far between that, you know. <laughs> oh, God. It was just, br- it was brutal. I'm going to be, a, I, you know by now, you can tell by now I thought it was brutal. I don't think yeah, I don't think anyone's going to say that. Now, that being said, in looking at Amazon reviews, there are 795 star reviews Good and Lord. 89 one star reviews. So only you know a tenth of people that read this, and in a fair spread on the other ones on the two, three, and four stars, it's a lot closer than that. All right, I'm um, going there. Yeah, it's a lot of five stars. Here's here's one. Anne can do no wrong. Uh, let's see. <laughs> All right, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. Loved it. Waiting for her next book. Good to see her back. <laughs> uh, uh, great author and great book. Anne does it again. Yeah, a lot of that. I've been waiting for another last Lestat book for so long. It did not let me down. Thank you, Anne Rice. Smiley face. Uh, this book kept me engrossed from first page to the last. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Can I counter? Can I counter with a one star? Absolutely. J stew, J S T U J the letter J space S T U. If you like reading endless descriptions of outfits and houses, but hate actual stories and believable characters, then this is the book for you. I would rather eat Benji's ridiculous fedora than read any future books <laughs> written by Rice. Um, let's have a look at, at our man, Jay Stu. I like Jay Stu here so far. <laughs> Jay Stu's got two, review- <laughs> two reviews on Amazon. Are you ready okay. for this? You know what the other one is? No. Uh, Golden Honey Bear, 12 ounce, pack of six. You have to go to this. <laughs> Listen, how many stars did he give that? Five. Because I fucking to... love, I love honey. So this guy, me and this guy, we've got some things in common here. Hold on, there's a lot more to this. There, <laughs> there's a lot more to this honey bear one. Are you ready for this? Are I am you ready? Are you visiting it, or do you just want me? No, to read it no, it? I'm not. I, there's so many. It's it's hard to weed through and find the one you're looking at. All right, I'm gonna read this to you. Just fucking strap in. We got one of these cuties last month when our daughter had some honey with crackers at a friend's birthday. When it arrived, my kid thought it was a toy and wouldn't put it down. She would leave it all over the house in different places. At least that's what we thought at first. (laughs) This is a really long thing. After a couple of days, my daughter started to act differently and would cry when we told her she couldn't keep leaving Nugget, which was in quotes, around the house. Eventually, she shared that Nugget chose where it wanted to go. (laughs) This is fucking amazing. I tried to find Nugget... And confront her on this bit of fantasy that had gone too far. Sadly, Nugget was nowhere to be found. In parentheses, probably the dog had gotten hold of it and chewed it up and left it outside. End parentheses. 
I explained that this was just natural consequence of leaving things in random spots. <laughs> Amazing. Early the next morning, I woke up later than usual. This this is so far way better than the Prince Lestat. Uh, woke up later than usual. The dogs hadn't been barking like they usually do. When I went outside to investigate, I found what I could only describe as a waking nightmare. <laughs> the dogs' carcasses were ripped apart and strewn in bloody heaps across the green grass. Oh, I stood there in shock until my daughter appeared next to me and took my hand. Nugget will not be chewed up, she said quietly. I lifted her up and ran back in the house. The kitchen cupboards were opened and the shelves were filled with nuggets. <laughs> the nuggets spoke at once, as this some, from sort of, some sort of hive mind. One nugget is chewed up, but a thousand nuggets are born from its pieces. I admit that I screamed and ran to the back of the house, only to find Nugget standing in the front of the door that opens into our garage. Going somewhere, Nugget asked. There he was, a small honey bear container, brandishing one of our kitchen knives and soaked in blood and gore. Nugget didn't know we had a trip planned. <laughs> Nugget is now in control of our home. I am writing this during our allotted ten minutes of free time. Five stars. Please purchase one of these adorable honey containers. I feel like I should applaud. This is fucking amazing. This is way better than the Princeless stats. Yeah, the problem is, dude, you don't want to buy that honey. Forget what I said about honey. Now I'm going to be creeped out every time I look at the stupid jar with a bear. Wait, how do I mark this review as useful? <laughs> don't, isn't there a way to do that? Um... Yeah, I, well, yeah, every time I see it, it's in, you know, when you're looking at reviews for the actual item, it's at the bottom. <laughs> Damn it. All right. I have to, oh, maybe I'll go to the item. Six, hang on. Are there hundreds of reviews all that all are crazy like that? Because I've come across some pretty weird shit on Amazon reviews. 11 five stars and one one star. Well, now I want to know what the one star review is. Oh, wait, there's another one. You kill one nugget, six rise in its place. <laughs> Buy nuggets now or nuggets will creep into your room while you sleep. That was helpful. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. I think this is, now that now that, uh, now that that I see there's another one, I think it's one of those things, like a planned thing. Yep. <sighs> I'm going to mark them as useful anyway. What's What's the one star review? Um. <laughs> uh, no taste. I've never even thought of reviewing a product like this before, but I just had to, had to this time. This honey had, in all capitals, no taste. <laughs> it's the weirdest <laughs> thing. It's not sweet, all caps, at all. When I tried to use it for my tea, it did little to nothing to sweeten it, but even worse than that, it didn't have that amazing honey taste at all. I've never encountered anything like it. Is it a clover thing? I don't know, but if you're thinking of using it to sweeten something, as I think most of us do, don't bother with this one. Not helpful. <laughs> um, what did? What else has that person reviewed? This is this is gonna turn into YouTube. This is what happens. I follow a link to a YouTube video, and then in the sidebar, <laughs> I see another YouTube video, and then another one, and the next thing you know, I'm watching Muppet reactions to two girls and a cup. <laughs> This is what happened to me one night. And as I'm watching Kermit and, and the, the dog, I don't know what the dog's name is. Um, Ralph? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes. R Ralph? Ralph, yeah. They're Ralph. watching. Huh? 
It's Rolf, isn't it? Rolf, is it? Maybe. I don't know. But I'm watching them watch Two Girls in a Cup. It's a reaction video. And the best part is <laughs> Kermit is like, oh, my God, this is disgusting. Oh, my God. You know, the whole time. And he keeps looking at Rolf. And, and Rolf is sitting there. And <laughs> Rolf looks at him and goes, turns to him and looks, goes, I eat my, my own poop all the time. I don't see what the big deal is. <laughs> all right. That's pretty good. You ready to find it? <laughs> I think that started from watching a wrestling video. Like I don't even know how this happens. So all right, what else is this? Is this, this, this all right? So the 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 one star person was the Ada brothers of Las Vegas, Nevada. Amongst many things, we have Spanx, simplicity, open busted, mid thigh body brief briefer shapewear. So I think it's like a slimming thing. Yeah. Yes. One star for That's that. A okay. I don't know if this is fake or what, since I paid $80 for it. Hope it isn't. This is the worst girdle-type product I've ever used. I have other Spanx products and high-quality material. Comfortable, blah, blah, blah. Didn't like their Spanx. All right, that's fine. The cookbook, Two Fat Ladies, Obsessions, over 100 recipes featuring their favorite foods and heartfelt passions. There's a couple of old fat ladies. That's nice. Um... A computer mouse, one star, don't waste your time. The Let's see, what what did they give good reviews to? Oh, they bought some, oh, here we go, full circle. They bought some vampire fangs. Oh, there you go. And gave it a good review? One star. Oh. Forum novelties and retractable vampire fangs. These things are crap. <laughs> <laughs> I bought them with much excitement. The dental putty is crap. If ever... If it ever turns translucent, as it says in the instructions, then maybe you could get them to mold to your teeth and actually wear these stupid things. They ended up breaking on me before I even got to use them. So a waste of my money completely. I didn't even get to see how they would have worked. The plastic is so cheap and flimsy, it wasn't worth it. Next time, I'll get those individual things with custom clips and see how those work. Ugh. I don't know that there's anything we can do on, on um, Amazon reviews <laughs> Sorry. I'm looking at some and they're funny, but I don't think I don't think we can top the the bear one. I <laughs> the, the bear honey. I was so in love with that honey bear one until I realized it was probably a ruse. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you didn't think the actual nuggets took over the No, I didn't. All right. To be fair, I didn't believe the nugget story was real, but <laughs> I didn't think that it was like a coordinated thing is what I'm trying to say. Oh. Not, not a lot of people. All right, so I'm going to say that a lot of people gave five stars to this book, but I don't think a lot of people liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did see a couple. There was like one five stars that said requested by my daughter for Christmas. Yeah. Did you see there's a lot of writing on some of these reviews? Some of them are really yes. long. Yes, I did. Oh, long live the queen. All right, what else do we have this episode? I, I think we should just call it quits here. Do we even need to talk about anything else? Um, we have a couple. I mean, we don't really... Just a little housekeeping, I think. it's gonna. I just knocked into my table, so I apologize for that. It's the alcohol. Is your beer coaster okay? Beer coaster's doing just fine. Maybe a little soggy. It's character. Something that she could have done. Um, eh, that was It was some low-hanging fruit. Um, all right, so this is horror uh, po- uh, awards. 
by the time you're listening to this, most likely they're done. So if you didn't vote for us for podcast of the year, Livius, fuck you. <laughs> but you're gonna go with the classic dead to us. But <laughs> no, no, I want to make sure you. they know exactly how angry <laughs> I am about it if they didn't vote for us. If we don't win this year, I am going to be very upset because I was going from coworker to coworker, begging, shamelessly begging for any kind of votes I could get. Yeah, yeah, I um, I don't know. You know, I, I got to be honest with you. I had a conversation with with Michael about something unrelated. Michael Wilson of This Is Horror, <laughs> and I told him I was like, we better win because like the rest of those, I had never heard any of the rest of those podcasts, and he came back with. Some of them are really good, which worried me. (laughs) Like he was prepping me for, no, no, you don't understand. There's like four of these that are better than your podcast. That's not how I took it. I took it as like, you should listen to them. Yeah, read between the lines, buddy. All right, damn it, we're going to lose, aren't we? Yeah, we might. We might. So (sighs) I I don't know. Hmm? Runner up again? We were runner up last year. Yeah, I'm... mm. Yeah, I think, we were. I mean, like, so the first year, we didn't even know it was a possibility, and we won um, podcast of the year. That's nice. The second year, we were ready, and we didn't, we, we got a silver medal in the podcast of the year category. We took, we took home the gold in the anthology, but I think it's, 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 it's high time to get back to, to bringing home some gold when it comes to the podcast of the year. Yeah, and this year, we're not in another category like tattoo artist of the year. Yeah. yeah. Life just isn't fair. No, so, Rob, start doing tattoos. Yeah, I'm going to do that. If you uh, if you did vote for us, however, thank you, which is way yes. better than fuck you. Yes, thank you from the bottom of our dark little hearts if you voted for us. We appreciate you. Yep. Um, I'm sure that results will be in within the month, and um, if we win, you'll hear all about it, and if we don't, we may never ever mention This Is Horror or anything affiliated with This Is Horror ever again. <laughs> Probably not. That's why we're going to try and get in uh, a little mention of the the new chapbook uh, This Is Horror is coming out or has just come out with um, before before that happens, just for the sake of integrity and stuff like that. Yes, so we will be talking about that during uh, an interlude episode next week, which is cool. We need to, Rob, we need a break, but I know Rob needed a break after reading Anne Rice. That goddamn book. Oh, yeah. You don't know it was a better vampire book than, than this vampire book? I could think of about 30, but yeah, go ahead. That one werewolf book I recently read, uh, By Blood We Live, by Glenn Duncan, which is uh, the fourth. Is it fourth or third? I think it was the third. The third in the van- the werewolf. Um, the, it was the last werewolf, Tallulah, Ri- Tallulah Rising, and then this one, right? Yeah, I you know, I'm going to have to squeeze that in. Maybe without a, like a full-length novel to read this week, maybe that's what I should do. Try to cleanse the vampire palette a little bit. All I'm going to say is that there might be some werewolf and vampire banging going on. Nice. Can I throw out what I think is one of the best vampire books of all time? You don't have an autobiography, do you? No, no, not yet I don't. But, um, oh, the author's name escapes me now. But for anybody who's interested in kind of a, a very different take on vampires, The World on Blood um, which may or may not even be out of print, but I read it probably 20 years ago, and it is it is um, probably my favorite um, my favorite vampire book. I really like the Christopher Golden series too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, of Saints and Shadows, I think was the first one in that. I read the first three and and really found them enjoyable. Nice. Oh, oh, Anne Rice. 
All right. Mm -hmm. While we were on the subject of podcasts, I guess we should mention that um, I know we promised this weeks ago, but um, apparently right now when you're done listening to this, if you go listen to Books, Beer, and Bullshit, you will hear some very familiar voices. That's right. Actually, I was ready to throw down an ultimatum when we recorded this episode. In the, in the notes, it says Books, Beer, and Bullshit dash ultimatum. Um, but then as we were prepping, while we were talking right before we started recording... Um, we got a message saying that it was up and ready to go, so I had to do a strike through uh, for that bullet point. Would you like to tell them what the ultimatum was? Oh yeah, I guess that's kind of the point of the whole thing, right? Um, <laughs> why mention an ultimatum if no one knows what it is? The ultimatum was going to be if they didn't post the podcast within a, probably a couple of days um, on their side, I was going to post what I recorded. I was going to edit and post for the Patreon contributors what i had recorded so for um for people that don't understand this every time rob <laughs> skype is on it is recording every single time now um we're pretty deep into the episode we were talking about ann rice so i don't know that a lot of our typical like writer friends are even listening to this deep but listen to what i just said every time Rob Skype is on. It's recording. It's not even something he does on purpose. It's set up that way. Automatic. So, so I want you, if you have ever been a guest on this show, I want you to take a moment and think, did I, before the podcast or after the podcast, say anything that I wouldn't want other people to hear? That's what goes in the blackmail file. That's what part, part of the Patreon money goes to secure. Yeah, and think about that. So we have, this is episode, what, 237? Yes. So the actual podcast like time that is made, the final cut, is in the you know hundreds of hours. Yes. The actual amount of recording that we've done is in the thousands, I have to imagine. Yes, I would have to agree. I have one hard drive that is the first 200-ish episodes. Yeah. Safeguarded, thanks to your Patreon contributions. But, you know, it can never be too safe. Yeah, so I guess what Livius is saying is Patreon.com. If you've been if you've been a guest uh, with some loose lips, it doesn't hurt to throw in a buck or two a month, right? That's right. And That's if you're and if you are a future guest of the podcast who's concerned about things you might say, support the podcast. That's right. Patreon.com slash booked. That's we got, uh, so Livius did say we're we're doing an interlude next week. We will be talking about the This Is Horror chapbook, uh, that Visible Filth by Nathan Ballingrid. Ballingrid. Mm -hmm. I've I've seen some some um, early reviews for it, and people seem to like it. Yeah, I read it. Did you? I did. Wow. I read it before you. You didn't? Did you even know I read it? No, I didn't know you read it. Yeah. Can huh. I give you my little? Uh, I, I sent uh, I sent Michael Wilson a little quote. Sure. About. Let me get it. I'm going to the Facebook Messenger. See, Rob documents every conversation if it's audio or text or whatever. No. I am the. I, I tell you, like, on the off chance that we actually end up like being a thing, like ten, fifteen years from now, our historian is going to be so fucking in love with me because there is not one goddamn second of this podcast that is not somehow you know chronicled. That's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Um. Here we go. This is what I sent. This is the quote I sent him. R.E. That visible filth. The visible filth. Not that visible filth. 
If you didn't gag while reading The Visible Filth, you're a tougher man than I. Malingrid's cautionary tale of what happens when you stick your nose where it doesn't belong will stick with you for a long, long time. Very nice. Yeah. So, uh, if you have a weak stomach, read it still. Just, you know, be ready. Puking isn't the worst thing in the world, right? I'm sure I'll be reading this during Liv's lunches this week. Lives lunches. It's it's a pretty quick read, and it and it it's the kind that that you know drags you in, so you just get it all done in one shot. Beautiful. Really taken a reading on uh, Monday mornings. I work Monday afternoon, you know, into the evening, mm-hmm. and uh, I've knocked out a lot of reading Monday morning. So that might be on my Monday morning list. I don't know. I may have to read that Glenn Duncan book now. Yeah, um, by Blood We Live. Anybody who fucking just wants good monster stuff to read, read. The Last Werewolf, Tallulah Rising, especially Tallulah Rising. That was a goddamn good book. And By Blood We Live, which just continues. By Blood, I am going to say, a lot more boning going on than the previous two books. A lot of sex. It's actually considered a... Hang on, what does it say? Just look at it. Okay, it was Glenn Duncan doing Monster Erotica. It, but it, it builds itself that way. Um, somewhere. That I'm obviously, because I want to know, it's not going to be like readily at hand. But it builds itself as like, you know, supernatural erotica or something like that, I think. Werewolf oh, erotica. Glenn Duncan. I'd like to get him on the podcast. That some... guy's got some epic hair. Yeah. yeah. Oh, semi-related. I watched the movie um, Before I Go to Sleep. Oh, did you? Yes, I did. I had to. I had to. Did you hear the gears? I might have to put in some yes. like gear noises. Because that's <laughs> episode 16. Yep. 16. Um, I watched it, and it's a much better book than it was a movie. Oh, and I no. even think as a standalone movie, it wasn't very good. Oh, no. That's too bad. Yeah. It's a pretty good, pretty good story. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, and I actually looked, because I, I thought, like, man, I didn't hear much about it, like, when it was out in wide release. Like, I knew it was coming, I knew it was out, and it kind of dropped off the map. It didn't do very much in money, and it's Nicole Kidman and Colin Firth. So like you know it's bad if it didn't do, you know, like $70 million. It did like $3 million or something ridiculous. It was it was bad. Wow, seriously? Yeah. That's what you call a flop. Yeah, it was like $1.8 million opening weekend, and then by like whatever, like two months later, it was like $2.9 million, I think, if I remember correctly, from IMDb that shows the box office gross. Hang on, we're going to box office mojo. I gotta get to the bottom of this. I just wanted to say box office mojo. Fuck that sniper movie. I don't care about people shooting people. All right, let's see. Um, <laughs> before I go to sleep, you said that title, and I was like, "Why does that sound like anything?" Ooh, yikes, dude! You're right. All right, like three million, right? <laughs> That's awful. Yeah. Uh, domestic total gross three million two forty two for four fifty seven. Yeah. yeah, opening weekend was under two million. Yeah, Nicole Kidman and Colin Firth. Colin Firth is like an Oscar award winning, I, I believe, right? Kidman yeah, might I mean, fucking Nicole Kidman. Belt. Yeah. All right, I will say that in the first, like, ten minutes of the movie, you do get to see Nicole Kidman's naked ass. And much like um, Eyes Wide Shut, the only redeeming part of that entire movie. Oh, they don't list the production budget. Maybe I can find it on Wikipedia. 
I always, I mean, the real measure is like if they if they pulled down like three point three and a quarter million, but the it, the production budget was like a million, it's a successful movie, you know. But I can't imagine that those two didn't command much higher salaries than that. I know, right? Especially after those Sony leaks. You heard about uh, what's her name trying to get a better? Uh, yeah, it was successfully yeah. getting a better. Yes. Yeah, good for her. But yeah, I mean, I can't imagine those two did it for under, you know, they, they've got to be, Nicole Kidman's got to be a $5 million actress. I know. Whoa. Produced by Ridley Scott. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, good for S.J. Watson anyway. Let's see. Oh yeah, no, that's really cool. I'm just, I feel bad for S.J. Watson who thought this might be a huge breakthrough and nobody saw it. Right. Mm, nothing about production budget. Ouch. Film was met with generally mixed reviews from critics on Rotten Tomatoes. The film holds a rating of 36% based on 104 reviews. Yikes. That's a flop. Dude, dude listen. That goddamn six-pack of bear honey has more reviews than, than this. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, don't say that. I think our book, I think our book has less less reviews than the Well, yeah, it does. I, I, I know. <laughs> but comfortingly, probably so does that book. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, I guess that wraps it up for this week. Huh? <laughs> I think we actually went a little long. How's that possible? Um, yeah, I, I think we're just over an hour. We're going to be just over an hour. All right. Come back next week for um, an interlude episode, a mini review of um, The uh, Visible Filth. The Visible Filth. I was going to call it That Visible Filth because you said it earlier. And I was like, that, 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 that yeah. Um, of the visible filth and more shenanigans from your favorite podcast. Until then, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snudden. Keep reading. Bang. <laughs>